Joe Biden issues a South African travel ban and no one in the media seems to be outraged. CNN's Chris Cuomo is suspended indefinitely for using CNN connections to help his embattled brother. Plus, the Supreme Court hears oral arguments on a case that could overturn Roe v. Wade. All that and more, I'm Bobby Eberly. This is the 13 Minute News Hour. And God bless the United States of America. Okay, friends, welcome to the show. Happy Wednesday. I hope you're having a great week. If you're new to the show, thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to start with Joe Biden and his South African travel ban to deal with the dreaded Omicron COVID variant. The ban appears to not be any kind of big deal with the media, celebrities, Democrats, or anyone else on the left. Why? Because it's Joe Biden, and our state-sponsored left-wing media will never question him on substance. However, when former President Trump did the exact same thing, the media were outraged. When COVID was just starting to spread, Trump acted quickly and issued a travel ban that was called racist and xenophobic. In February of 2020, Joe Biden put out this tweet. We are in the midst of a crisis with the coronavirus. We need to lead the way with science, not Donald Trump's record of hysteria, xenophobia, and fear-mongering. He is the worst possible person to lead our country through a global health emergency. Hysteria, xenophobia, and fear-mongering. What's pathetic is that Joe Biden and the Democrats can never make up their mind with Trump. Was he downplaying the virus and not doing enough? which they said, or was he being hysterical and engaging in fear-mongering, which they also said. In any case, Joe Biden and his team have issued a travel ban for South Africa and surrounding countries, and those on the left are just fine with it. Here's Biden. The very day the World Health Organization identified the new variant, I took immediate steps to restrict travel from countries in Southern Africa. But while we have that travel restrictions can slow the speed of Omicron, it cannot prevent it. But here's what it does. It gives us time, it gives us time to take more actions, to move quicker, to make sure people understand you have to get your vaccine. First of all, even in that clip, we see Biden start to fade out. Bad teleprompter? Or did he just zone out for a second? Who knows? Second, it's Omicron, not Omnicron. And third, Biden actually said that this ban gives them a longer time to act quickly. Think about that one. It's interesting to note that it is in his entire speech, the only thing he mentioned about dealing with COVID is the vaccine, not the fact that it's over 99% survivable, not the fact that once people do get sick, if that happens, there are great treatments out there now. Nope just universal vaccinations for something that's 99% survivable. But far be it from Biden or Fauci or any of these folks to actually follow the science. On Tuesday, Biden was making his way to Air Force One in Minneapolis when he was asked more about the COVID variant by reporters. One asked if any travel restrictions to other countries could be made suddenly. Biden responded by saying, unlike Trump, I don't shock our allies. I just had to throw that in there because those words are coming from the same person who completely shocked our allies with his failed Afghanistan withdrawal. In fact, shock doesn't nearly do justice to the reality of allies being abandoned without warning and without means of facilitating their own withdrawal plans. During her press conference, 
White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki was asked why Trump's COVID travel ban was considered racist, but Joe Biden's is just fine. Here's the exchange. Thank you, Jen. Before Joe Biden was president, he mm -hmm. said that COVID travel restrictions on foreign countries were hysterical xenophobia and fear-mongering. So what changed? Well, I would say first, to put it in full context, Peter, what the president was critical of was the way that the former president put out, I believe, a xenophobic tweet uh, and how he called that, what he called the coronavirus uh, and, and who he directed it at. The president has not been critical of travel restrictions. We have put those in place ourselves. We put them in place ourselves in the spring. But no, he does not believe. He believes we should uh, follow the advice of health and medical experts. That's exactly what he did in putting in place these restrictions over the weekend. What a waste of airtime. The fact is that Joe Biden did criticize travel restrictions. The tweet I put up earlier from Biden was in response to Trump's travel ban. Biden followed that tweet up a short time later with this one as Trump expanded the travel ban. A wall will not stop the coronavirus. Banning all travel from Europe or any other part of the world will not stop it. The disease could impact every nation and any person on the planet, and we need a plan to combat it. And this is coming from the guy who said he was going to end coronavirus. Nothing will end it, but we know who is vulnerable, and we know that most survive without a problem. However, science never seems to be a factor when Biden or others are criticizing Trump. All right, next let's talk about what's going on at CNN with Chris Cuomo. But first, if you're new to the show or haven't subscribed yet, regardless of platform, just search on my name, hit that subscribe button, make sure notifications are turned on. That way you can follow the show and help us grow. Okay, let's talk about CNN and Chris, don't call me Fredo Cuomo because things have gotten so bad for CNN, so embarrassing, even for them. After all, CNN has basically dropped all of its journalistic standards, but the company has actually suspended Chris Cuomo pending an internal investigation. As you may know, when allegations were flying around regarding Chris's brother, then governor Andrew Cuomo, younger brother Chris, or Fredo, helped give advice on dealing with the growing list of women coming forward against the governor. We knew that was happening. However, new information has come out from New York Attorney General investigation, and it shows Chris Cuomo's role was much larger than first reported. Here's CNN's Anderson Cooper explaining the situation. Cuban, John Dean, appreciate some news now about this network. It involves Chris Cuomo, the host of Cuomo Prime Time. New documents released this week indicated that Chris was more intimately involved than previously known in helping his brother, former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, craft a defense amid a flurry of sexual misconduct allegations. So Cuomo was in deeper than they thought, or another way of looking at it is, oh, hey, the New York Attorney General is revealing stuff that we surely knew about, but now the public will likely be outraged, so we better pretend to do something. Here's more from Cooper. Here's a statement released tonight from a CNN spokesperson, quote, the New York Attorney General's office released transcripts and exhibits Monday that shed new light on Chris Cuomo's involvement in his brother's defense. The documents, which we were not privy to before their public release, raised serious questions. The spokesperson continued, quote, when Chris admitted to us that he had offered advice to his brother's staff, he broke our rules, and we acknowledge that publicly. But we also appreciated the unique position he was in and understood his need to put family first and job second. However, these documents point to a greater level of involvement in his brother's efforts than we previously knew, the spokesperson added. As a result, we have suspended Chris indefinitely pending further evaluation. 
It's interesting that the statement comes from CNN spokesperson. Like they had a hard time tracking this person down and just went with the generic title. It's a spokesperson for their own company. Another interesting note is that right before Cooper's statement, he was engaged in a conversation with Jeffrey Tubin, who has also been suspended by CNN for pleasuring himself during a Zoom meeting on camera. That warranted a suspension, but now he's right back at CNN. What happens next is anyone's guess, because after all, we're dealing with CNN. But there's no mistaking that the New York Attorney General's investigation shows that Chris Cuomo wasn't just giving brotherly advice, as he stated publicly, he was deeply involved in the messaging and strategy of the situation. Here's more. Text messages in Mr. Cuomo's own testimony in the prosecutor's probe show that the CNN host was in frequent contact with his brother's top political advisors as the sexual harassment allegations mounted last spring to include complaints from 11 women. Chris Cuomo suggested statements to the governor's team for his brother to use in his defense, sounded out his journalistic sources and colleagues for behind-the-scenes developments, and sought information to discredit at least one of the women who came forward with an accusation against the governor, the documents show. The question is, what happens next? CNN ratings are terrible. Cuomo was the big star of the network, and now he's suspended. Will it last, or will CNN just ease him back the way they did with Tubin? Let me know in the comments. All right, next, oral arguments were held today in the U.S. Supreme Court case of Dobbs versus Jackson's Women Health Organization. This case is being discussed as possibly the case that could overturn Roe v. Wade after 50 years. At the heart of the issue is Mississippi's pro-life law, which bans abortions after 15 weeks. Opponents before the Supreme Court are arguing that it violates Roe v. Wade which states you can't outlaw abortion if the child is not viable. Roe v. Wade just pulled out a 24 weeks, basically out of the air, as the definition of viability. Well, times change, and so does technology and medical advancement, so to say that 24 weeks is not accurate is a big understatement. And part of Mississippi's argument is that the 15-week law does not violate viability because viability is arbitrary and keeps changing. During the oral arguments, Justice Brett Kavanaugh laid waste to the notion that the Supreme Court precedent was set in stone. Here's some analysis. But what was really fascinating is Kavanaugh came out very aggressively against the liberal justices saying, you need to uphold Roe because it's a type of super precedent uh, and or we just simply don't overturn cases like Roe. He read off a list of cases in which they overturned previous holdings. Those cases are celebrated today. And the fact is that Justice Breyer, who kept on raising this, mm -hmm. I don't think wouldn't blink at reversing Heller on Second Amendment rights or Citizens United. And so that was some of the more tense exchanges that occurred between the justices today. Kavanaugh went through a laundry list of Supreme Court precedents that were overturned, including Plessy versus Ferguson. This is where the Supreme Court said separate but equal conditions for blacks and whites were okay. This was overturned by Brown versus Board of Education, and no one is complaining about that one today. Another analyst today on Fox News, Andy McCarthy, dug into the viability argument. Viability, uh, even though the court pressed on this many times, is simply not uh, a standard that, that is stable because it will always be challenged by medical technology. But the point is, there isn't any other 
alternative that wouldn't show that the court is just legislating. And uh, I think that was why, for example, the Solicitor General fought so hard against moving off viability mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. the standard. Great stuff. And now we wait. A decision is expected sometime in the spring, and hopefully this will be the case that ends Roe v. Wade once and for all. It was poorly decided. It created rights not spelled out in the Constitution, and it created arbitrary thresholds. But it was great questioning today by a number of the justices, Alito, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, Barrett. I pray they come to the right decision. All right, next in another sign of more Americans moving away from the Democrats, there's a new poll out there that focuses on Hispanic voters and what they think of former President Trump and the current state of Joe Biden and the Democrat Party. This poll joins others, which show that not only did Trump make inroads with Hispanic voters, but that Hispanic voters in general are opening their eyes to the far-left policies of radicals like AOC and Ilhan Omar. Here's the story. Former President Donald Trump is continuing his increased support among Latino voters, according to a poll released by McLaughlin and Associates. Backing for Trump among Hispanics rose to 38%, from the 34% of Latinos he captured in last year's elections and the 26% he won in 2016. The numbers keep getting better. Think about it. Trump surprised many, not me, but other experts, by getting 26% in 2016. Then, when all the media and leftists were screaming that Trump is a racist, he increased that percentage by 8 to 34%. Now it's even better. But what the poll really reveals is that the Hispanic vote is just moving, not because of the Trump personality, but because people are leaving the Democrats when they realize that they are conservatives. A younger generation is not voting Democrat now simply because their parents did, and more Hispanics are viewing Joe Biden and Democrat policies as extreme or out of touch. Here's more. While only 26% of Hispanics said they were Republican versus 50% who said they were Democrats, those saying they would support Trump or Republicans was higher. In addition, 52% of Hispanics said they were disappointed in Biden. As negative views of Biden and the Democrats harden, they are likely to translate into vote gain in the near term and party identification gain later, according to the authors of the survey. 48% of Hispanics say Biden is a weak leader. 43% say he is not physically or mentally up to the job of being president. And 40% say he is a puppet of the extreme left. All three of these perceptions show negatives on Biden well above the 38% of the support that Trump gets. This was a key observation noted by the authors of the survey, and I just want to repeat it. Support or vote gains come first. Party identification comes second. As we show voters of all stripes what we stand for and what the Democrats stand for, they will vote for us on the issues before they will admit that they are one of those Republicans. Hey, I'll take that any day of the week. The survey also pointed out some key findings that can help in the short term, like in the 2022 and 2024 elections. 54% felt that the Democrats have come up with radical and crazy ideas lately. 54% also feel that Democrats are proposing socialist ideas that remind them of what ruined Cuba, Venezuela, and other countries. So they are paying attention to the issues and the majority feel that the Democrats have gone off the rails. 
that control now lies with the woke radical left. If we do a good job pointing out these crazy policies and how it affects families and children and freedom, we have a winning message. Friends, that's our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget, if you're new to the show or haven't subscribed yet, regardless of platform, just search on my name, hit that subscribe button, make sure notifications are turned on. That way you can follow the show and help us grow. Thank you so much for tuning in. Our next show is going to be Friday evening at the usual time, 6.30 p.m. Central. Until then, I'm Bobby Eberly. This is the 13-Minute News Hour.